Welcome to Headroom, where we discuss all things essential to mental health and well-being. I'm your host, Jim Owens, a licensed professional counselor at Lansing Community College. Before we begin, I'd like to emphasize that this podcast does not constitute psychotherapy. It does, however, introduce you to some phenomenal people who have incredible ideas for you and your life. Having said that, let's get into the headroom and begin today's conversation with Louise Rabideau. Welcome, Louise. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm really excited that you're here. I appreciate you agreeing to do this. So I have kind of three parts to this podcast. The first is going to be for us to get a chance to know you a little bit. And then next, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what life was like for you when you were in college. And then finally, I'd like to ask, you know, for some ideas you have that can just help people in general with their mental health and well-being. That sound good? Sure. Okay. So let's get to know you a little bit. What does a good day look like to you? Mm, or a great day? A great day? Yeah. <laughs> well, it would definitely start with coffee. I'll tell you that. I do like to ease into the morning and not rush. But generally, a great day would be involve at least some time outside in mm, nature, mm-hmm. um, time with people that I care about. Uh, hopefully making the world a little bit better place in some way or another. And, you know, just kind of appreciating life, where I'm at in life. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that, I know you, you love the outdoors and being outdoors. Yes. Camping, biking. Yep. Various other things. And I'm sure that may fit into some of your wellness, personal wellness strategies. Yeah, and how you, how you take care of yourself. So what are some other things you're passionate or excited about? If you wanted people to know you a little bit more, mm-hmm. what would you say? Well, I'm I'm a counselor here at LCC, and I'm am passionate about my work. So mm. that's definitely something that that drives me and motivates me. Outside of work, passionate about the outdoors. You know, mm. as you mentioned, hiking, mountain biking, mm. camping, gardening. Um, you know, dining al fresco, sitting on the deck mm. or in the hammock reading. Mm-hmm. So anything outdoors I love and rejuvenates me as part of my self-care routine. Mm-hmm. Um, just passionate about being outside. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you for reminding everybody your position at the college. I should have done that, <laughs> but you are one of our counselors just like me at LCC. And so I appreciate you. And I know you have a big passion about that. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, how did you become a counselor? What was your path toward, you know, in school? And I'll ask some questions about what life was mm-hmm. like in college, but how did you decide to even go to college? Was that just a foregone conclusion in your family or? Um, somewhat. Both of my parents uh, had degrees. Um, my mother had a bachelor's and a master's. She was a speech pathologist. And my dad, originally, he started off, he went into the army and mm-hmm. then went to college at LCC first and then MSU on the GI Bill, and he was a social worker. So both of my parents were in the helping professions. And so there was kind of an assumption that I would go to college. Um, My older sister went to college. So I think I always assumed I would go to college, Mm -hmm. and I was always interested in the helping professions. But I I really had no idea where I was going to school. Um, And I was a really good student in high school, mm-hmm. um, got good grades, honor society, mm-hmm. but I really, I think, was not 
emotionally ready to to think about college. And so I really dragged my feet as far as college visitations. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't ready to even think about it. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to Western because I got a substantial academic scholarship. Hey. Hey. And so it was like, that oh, works. I guess I'm going to Western. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, paying me to come here. Mm-hmm. So Western Michigan University, it's a great university and I had a great experience there but I definitely kind of felt that I ended up there as Mm. opposed to you know chose it specifically Um, and I think probably a lot of LCC students can relate to that um, that they kind of might feel like they end up at LCC Mm. um, either because they don't have a clear career path or or um, maybe didn't get accepted to one of their other colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great experience in the end, but it definitely was not, um, it was different than, say, my sister who went to U of M who really wanted to go to That was U her dream. M. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had this vision, I'm going to go to college, and mm-hmm. it, it ended up choosing you a little bit more mm-hmm. than you chose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were accepting of that. Hey, I'll go. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you knew helping professions. So what about counseling? How did you decide mm-hmm. on a major in in college? Well, I think my first and second year of college, I took a career planning class oh, that was taught by the WMU counselors, actually. Mm. And I was also looking at... Um, Uh, teaching Mm -hmm. and social work. And I realized that the part of the helping professions that I uh, was most passionate about was that one-on-one. So as opposed to a teacher in a classroom Mm -hmm. trying to help and change the world with a group of people, I was really more invested in that one-on-one relationship. And um, Western had a great social work program Mm -hmm. And I was very involved in a lot of um, advocacy and change groups and mm-hmm. and trying to make the world a better place. Through Political systemic, action groups. Yes, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I did spend a lot of time in undergraduate protesting a variety of things. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> College students should do that stuff. And yes. everyone should, you know, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I eventually, um, I worked at... A variety of jobs and most of them were the one-on-one counseling kinds of jobs I mm. was most passionate about and so after undergrad I, I worked for a while and then when I was applying to graduate schools it was really very much counseling that I wanted to focus on mm-hmm. and that and do therapy and provide that mental health support. Yeah, I think that's interesting in the in the sense that your undergrad was social work you might have thought you would have gone on for a master's mm-hmm. in social work at the time, but back then they weren't as clinically focused mm-hmm. probably as they are now because there are licensed clinical social workers who do therapy in, mm-hmm. in our city and all over. Um, but yeah, certainly counseling was the the one-on-one experience you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. And that's it, it's sort of in your parents' footsteps of your mom is a speech pathologist. Mm-hmm. They probably work one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. And as your dad is a social worker, was mm-hmm. it what kind of work yeah. did he do as a social worker? Well, his degree, um, he was a social worker in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And so he worked for the state of Michigan for many years mm-hmm. um, in more of that traditional social work, mm-hmm. what we often think of as social work with people who are in poverty mm-hmm. or with in the foster care system. Yeah. And then he ended up for many years working with the prison population at Jackson Prison. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Well, a little bit more about your college life. I like to ask this question. Mm -hmm. What was something that almost stopped you from graduating Mm -hmm. from college, but 
obviously it didn't. <laughs> so give us a little yeah. drama. <laughs> a little drama. Well, I will admit my freshman year was not a great year. Mm. Um, academically, I was fine. I was in the honors college. I think I was academically prepared for college. I, you know, I, I got decent grades, mm-hmm. but emotionally I was not ready to be in college. Mm-hmm. I struggled, um, you know, making friends. My, my, I was in a long distance relationship mm-hmm. with my high school boyfriend yeah. who was in another state. And I really just, I was very focused on home and family and, and I just wasn't ready to kind of spread my wings mm-hmm. and figure out what college was all about. And I was not a very happy person. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I considered leaving Western. Yeah. I considered transferring. Um, in the end, I did meet some people that became good friends mm-hmm. um, and I stuck it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, what really derailed me was myself. Yeah. I was just kind of not in the heads, the headspace yeah. or that, you know, yeah. the headroom to, yeah. to really invest in the college experience the yeah. way that I would have liked to. Yeah. Um, so I did go back my sophomore year and I met a lot more people and got connected. Um, incidentally, a lot of those people are friends still today. Wow. I met through, was very involved in um, my church yeah. at at Western, and many of those are my friends now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I decided to go into social work, met some great people, including one of my best friends now. Mm-hmm. And so that really, I think, changed the trajectory of how I felt about um, my undergraduate experience, how I felt yeah. about Western Michigan University, how I felt about Kalamazoo. Yeah. Um, but it the first year was rocky. And I see that in a lot of my students. Um, it's people think that college is the time of your life and a mm, easy peasy right. and everyone's partying and has a great time, but it's rough, especially that first year. Yeah. No, and I think it's interesting when you left for summer break, I'm assuming you came home, kind mm-hmm. of a traditional, went away to college mm-hmm. for two semesters, came home, and then in the summer, did you kind of have to work yourself up to, because there was no promise that life was going to be better to go yeah. back for a sophomore yeah. year. I mean, you found some courage or some hope somewhere. I don't know if you can, it's not mm. that far back. Yeah. <laughs> what was? How did you do that? You know, what were you thinking that kind of, I got to go back for my sophomore mm-hmm. year? You know? Well, I think part of it was I met a good friend um, mm. and that I really connected with. Mm-hmm. And then I, so she and I decided to be roommates. So that was a good connection. And yeah. so it was an investment in that. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have another option that seemed like a better opportunity. <laughs> like I could have come, I, you know, lived in the area. I could mm-hmm. have gone to MSU mm-hmm. or, or come here to LCC, yeah. but there was nothing else that was pulling me strongly mm-hmm. away from Western. And so I stuck it out and definitely yeah. my sophomore year was much more enjoyable yeah. um, and fulfilling. And then I made a lot of really close connections. Yeah. And really when you think about it, it is for, at least for me, but it, a lot of it comes down to those connections, those personal connections, um, both as friends, as roommates, um, but the connections within your academic program. So it started to feel more like a home. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had a researcher from Harvard come and talk to us once here at the school a few years back, maybe 10 years ago now about, um, how important the support system is for academic success. Mm -hmm. 
and relationships with peers and relationships, frankly, with faculty and like what we have here, coaches and advisors. Mm -hmm. And he pointed to some data that said it's really not how academically prepared you are in college that will predict if you're going to be successful in college, oddly enough. Yeah. You would think, oh, the 4.0 students are going to just sail through college. And that's kind of what you're describing here is, yeah, that was me. And I did not sail. (laughs) No, it wasn't sailing. It was rough. I was was tethered to the shore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that relationship with you had with a peer Mm -hmm. and then uh, I think in your community and then maybe I don't know if you had maybe a good example in adults on campus, if you'll call it that, Mm -hmm. because you would have been a sort of a kid. I Mm -hmm. guess not. You were an adult, Mm -hmm. 18, 19 year old. But were there any adults or did you have a mentor on campus or anything that was like a a link for you or an anchor? Uh, Well, I did have a couple instructors that I that were near and dear to my heart. And one of them was a social work instructor, Mm. Don Cooney. Mm. um, And he was he was just so passionate and he also was very politically connected and involved Mm. with the protest movement and ideological Mm -hmm. and, and that he was just an aspirational person and made me excited to be a social worker, excited to be involved and change the world Mm. and believe that you could do it. So he, yeah, he was an inspiration. Did you Mm -hmm. end up you know, taking several classes from him. I think I had three classes from yeah. him. Would he have known you? Could he have picked you out from a crowd among his students? At that time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's important. It's just to highlight that that researcher really said it's important to get somebody on campus who knows you and checks in on you and you feel like you have mm-hmm. someone you can, as a confidant or a mentor, and probably his enthusiasm was infectious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree from my own experience working at the school here, it's it's often not that I hear from students, and maybe it's just because the population we help, but it's often not that they say college is too hard. It's too academically demanding. That's generally yeah. not what I hear as the biggest barrier. Sometimes. Yeah. And it's usually math. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you agree. Accounting. Yeah. It's accounting it's and math. math. Yeah, yeah. It's usually those. And it's, um, you know, some people, they, they don't have quite the skill set they'd like to have in those areas. But it's very often like the relationship stuff, the family stuff. And I'm using stuff. Um, I really mean it's serious stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the family relationship, feeling alone, isolated. And it's true when you walk around on campus, it's easy to just kind of get a view of everybody's walking around with a smile on their face, with a backpack slung over their shoulder, with purpose written into them. And it's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Exactly. People are, yeah. I think, struggling a bit more than we think. And I think at a community college, it's even more so because we don't have on-campus dormitories. We don't have um, community housing. And so I think that that, really the pandemic of isolation, yeah. uh, especially in traditional college age students, it's it's profound. Yeah. And um, being a commuter campus just yeah. exacerbates that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, let's see, what can we offer to alleviate that a little bit? We have a student life on campus with mm-hmm. a lot of clubs, game yes. clubs and the psychology club and all kinds of ways for you to be involved uh, in sports and um, clubs and student organizations. And mm-hmm. I was a part of those when I was in college. In mm-hmm. fact, I joined the architecture club when I went to college and went to school originally to be an architect. Ah. And it was really, you know, it was fortuitous that I did that because that club, I met people. And so I had a little bit of a social network, but we also went to architectural firms every other Friday and met with architects Ah. and they'd buy pizza and pop. It was called pizza and pop with an architect. And they'd sit with us for an hour and a half and show us what their job was like and show us blueprints and talk to us about their work. And I only went to about two or three of those and I realized, oh, I do not want to be an architect. (laughs) I don't think that's exactly what I want to do. Let me start looking at other options. And it just mm-hmm. kind of opened my mind to the idea of, I think maybe 
there could be other options. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, get involved in student uh, student life on campus yeah. to the extent you can. Okay, so let's get into some ideas here okay. about what can make life better. I mean, I call this podcast Headroom in part to call attention to the fact that it seems like too few of us have sufficient room in our heads to comfortably handle one more stressor or one more crisis or one more problem. We don't have a lot of headroom. So what's an idea or a skill that you've come across that you think could improve our psychological space where we can have a little more flexibility and regulate mm-hmm. and handle things? Well, I think one of the, when it boils down to it, I, I like to think of the concept of curiosity hmm. versus judgment. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have so many thoughts in our head and um, we judge our thoughts. We judge ourselves. We Mm -hmm. judge others, our, you know, our news, our social media. There's so much judgment and labeling. And we often take those thoughts or opinions as truth Mm -hmm. or fact. And if we could shift or entertain the idea of curiosity, you know, approaching things with curiosity. Like, isn't that interesting that I did such and such or that I had that thought? Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And just observe it and be curious about that or curious about someone else's motivation or someone else's situation or predicament. Mm -hmm. Instead of being judgmental about it, I think that gives ourselves a lot of grace, um, a lot of space to to make mistakes and to not know um, and just to be more of an observer um, mm-hmm. with curiosity as opposed to thinking we have to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives us, you know, some some space to just breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come across this idea myself and I think like you're describing, you can use it, as we say, intrapsychically for oneself. Mm-hmm. I can kind of observe Oh, I'm feeling nervous in this moment. Yeah. Isn't that cute? I wonder, yeah. you know, I wonder what that's all about. Let me feel what that feels like. Or, oh, that person's supporting that political candidate. Yeah. I wonder why, <laughs> why they would do that yeah. with a really, what yeah. I, I say, genuine curiosity, yeah. right? Really be, go ahead. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I know I ask a lot of questions um, and even, even that something in my family, like I wonder about a lot of things and having that sense of curiosity helps us be interested in other people and ourselves, Mm -hmm. but allows other people to show us um, more of their motivations and who they are, as opposed to, you know, thinking about, oh, well, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. Or I can't understand that. Mm -hmm. It, It gives us, it gives us an opening Mm -hmm. into understanding ourselves Mm -hmm. and other people. Yeah, that, that's really, so that's kind of, why would we choose to be curious? Why, making judgments is good, isn't it? Because then I know who to avoid and I don't want to have certain experiences, right? So what's wrong with judgment? But we're quick to judge mm-hmm. and the judgment brings a kind of tone with it, which is, it just, it just isn't really flexible mm-hmm. to the, or really overlay mm-hmm. on the real world very mm-hmm. well, right? Um, yeah, yeah. When in fact, curiosity invites our, an opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, our thoughts lie to us, you know, especially if we struggle with mental health issues, with depression, anxiety, um, our thoughts are not, you know, absolute truths. And so if we can even think about our own thoughts with curiosity, like, well, isn't that an interesting thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's important. So probably you could read more people who are listening, you could look up 
this this idea of being curious about oneself and it's a mantra we have in in counseling for sure when we're training counselors to be curious because sometimes you know when you get an education you're taught this is how people are and even as we're brought up in our families we're taught this is how people are and um, those are always um, open to revision I think so what about mental health? What else about mental health? What else are some things that you think are essential to mental health? If somebody has good mental health, it's because they have mm-hmm. what? Well, I think connection is so important. Like we were talking about connection as a college student, whether that's in my story or yeah. in, in our students' lives. But, you know, more and more, I think the pandemic showed us that the absence of connection or in-person connection was so detrimental to our overall mental health well-being. You know, so much comes down to that connection, Mm -hmm. you know, connecting with other humans, Mm -hmm. connecting with loved ones, connecting with a sense of purpose, Mm -hmm. connecting with a passion, a hobby, uh, an intellectual pursuit. That that connection, I think that I often realize I'm distilling things down to connection. Mm. And so when we are feeling disconnected Mm -hmm. from loved ones or support Mm -hmm. or even disconnected from our own authentic needs and wants and desires, that's when we get into more trouble and get into areas of unhealth or distress. Mm -hmm. And so I often, that's a question I ask myself, like if I'm not feeling okay or as good as I want to feel, like where am I missing connections? Mm -hmm. What connections can I -hmm. I bolster to do better? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that you know, the, as the pandemic showed us, isolation is 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 a serious issue, and we need to really foster connections where we can. So, can I push you for a little a few okay. practical things? Because okay. I hear this a lot from students uh-huh. too, and and um, there is, I think, that sense where they mm-hmm. share, like, I feel very alone. I feel like mm-hmm. I have no one to talk to, mm-hmm. um, and yet I'm also afraid to get mm-hmm. out and try to make yeah. connections. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. what do you say to people who are like, I, I agree with you, Louise, yeah. <laughs> I probably do need more people in my life. Where do I get them? <laughs> well, you know, for some people, it's it's much easier than others. If you're an extrovert, if you're social, um, if yeah. you live in an environment that you're around people, it that kind of lends itself to those connections. But if you're shy or an introvert or, you know, live in a rural area, that can be really hard. And so you can start small. You know, a connection can be with a pet. You know, it can be with um, a parent. It can be with a family member. It can be with a colleague. Um, you know, people don't become friends or close connections overnight. It takes time and it can often feel like we don't have the stamina or the energy to, to wait it out or to endure that time. Um, but you know, it's a rare find to have someone that you immediately connect with. Mm -hmm. And so often it's, it's kind of like dating. You have to keep putting yourself out there. You have to go to clubs, um, you might go to one club and really connect with people and that's your people. Um, but often you might have to go to that same club multiple times right. over and over and over. You might have to reach out to them through texting or social media in between meetings. Mm-hmm. You might have to try a variety of clubs, mm-hmm. um, you know, both social clubs, professional clubs, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual organizations. Mm-hmm. And 
and there's an element of luck mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and to it. Um, but you have to kind of put the effort into, you know, fr- relationships um, take work. And so mm-hmm. to have meaningful connections, I think it, it really is about investing and, and showing up. Yeah, one of the I, I totally agree with all that. And one of the practical things I've sort of come across with some of my students is, is they feel like they're in a class and they don't know anybody in the class because not their whole friendship came with them. All their yeah. friends came to them <laughs> with them to LCC to their classes. I always say, like, you know, you can move your seat in your classroom. If after a couple of sessions of your English class, or your psych class, you notice that those people over there, I kind of like them and they kind of like the things and they're talking about the same kinds of things I like and oh, they have a patch on their jacket that looks like a band I like or whatever, go sit by them. Yeah. You can move your chair, you know, get in proximity to people who are like you and who may like you and so on, right? Yeah, and it, but that takes risk. And it I does. think that a lot of us are risk averse. Yeah. We don't, it's scary to take a risk, even a risk as simple as moving your chair in a classroom. Because, yeah. you know, if you sit in one place the first day, that's your spot. Yeah. And so we have to be vulnerable and willing to take a risk mm-hmm. to, you know, suggest a study group mm-hmm. or, hey, let's get some coffee right. or um, ask somebody, you know, some low stakes question and see if they respond. Yeah. Those are all risky. Yeah. Um, but often we can think of what's the worst that can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like rejection if someone doesn't respond. Um, but a lot of people are also waiting for someone else to take that to make that first move. I agree. You and I both know there's other people in the classroom who wish someone would come sit by them and make a friend because they're feeling the same way. Yes. Well, that's really useful. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking with us, letting us know a little bit about who you are, where you came from and what you value and what your college experience was like. Because I think students can relate to that and appreciate that. And also these ideas of curiosity and and go for connect, you know, look for where the connections are missing in your life and make some small effort in that Mm -hmm. direction. Yeah. So I really appreciate you coming on, and um, I thank you. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. If anyone's interested in one-on-one help with their mental health or well-being, we have a counseling center on campus that currently enrolled students have access to. You can find out more at lcc.edu counseling. And thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in the headroom. Headroom.